Welcome to the Pop Culture Salvage Expedition with the Center for Artistic Activism. We are going to dig deep into the minds of popular culture, getting dirty, looking dirty. for the gems and the gold. Movies, music, events, things like that. And try to find things of value that we can use. Um, I am here. My name is Steve Lambert. I am the co-founder and co-director of the Center for Artistic Activism. And I'm Steve Duncan, also co-founder, co-director of the Center for Artistic Activism. And hi, I'm Pat Gerardo. I am with the Center for Artistic Activism. Okay, and some people might be wondering, why go into pop culture? Why do this? What's the value? And we were talking about Stuart Hall today. Yeah, and one <laughs> of the things we learned from Stuart Hall was that all popular culture, no matter how horrible it is... Wait, wait who's Stuart Hall? <laughs> Stuart Hall. Stuart Hall is the late, great Stuart Hall, what is one of the leading minds of cultural studies. Um, and he died last year. Um, and one of the things that he did so well is he looked into popular culture and in popular culture found its radical potential. And his idea was really simple, which is popular culture is... Well, it's popular. That is, we might not like it all the time. It might be something that we don't want to watch ourselves. But popular culture, in order to stay on the air, in order to be successful commercially in a capitalist society, it has to resonate with people's real desires. But what we can do is we can actually dig into that culture find those desires, and reroute them for other purposes. Because popular culture is about making money. It's about, it's, it, it's about mining popular it's desire. <laughs> exactly. It's about, it's about, it mines popular desire in order to make money. But we can mine the same popular desire and move it elsewhere and move it into activism, move it into mobilizing people, move it into changing society. And Steve, you know a lot about this. You wrote a book called Dream, Reimagining Progressive Politics in an Age of Fantasy, that talks all about this. I did. I did indeed. And Pat, you used to do something like this too, right? Yes, I did. The group GoLeft.org, and we worked with progressive organizations to use pop culture in their organizing and strategy building. Great, great. Um, okay, so we are going to do this thing today the surprise yeah let's we, do we, it we don't know what it is uh, steve knows what it is yeah but we don't know what it is i chose a bit of pop culture that i thought you know i it kind of <laughs> turns me off to begin with but it, it was the number one top grossing worldwide movie last year whoa so yeah pat's trying to digging I'm back in her brain think what the was well, last year the okay. key is worldwide so worldwide so what do you think um, I'll give you a hint. I'm going to say Hunger Games. Hunger Games yeah. was number one in the U.S. Very okay. good. Oh. Very good. I'm, I'm just saying it's got to have Tom Hanks in it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Tom Hanks has quite the worldwide appeal. He is very charming. Um, the number one top grossing worldwide movie in 2014 made over $100 billion. Yeah. It's Transformers Age of Extinction. You lie. I am what? serious. Yeah. Um, 
Let's see. It made $245 million in the U.S. It was the fifth highest grossing here. Not as Whoa. popular as Hunger That's Games. That's probably the one popular movie I didn't see last year. Yeah. And then it made... Well, I didn't see it either. I didn't see it either. Yeah. It was <laughs> not on my list. <laughs> I, I will see almost anything in IMAX. And this was, yes. this was a big IMAX release. Um, it made $841 million outside the U.S. It's the... Uh, and that's without Megan Fox. Yeah, yeah, she's not in this one. So there's three movies what that came you? before. Who are the other Transformers? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> you have been revealed. I knew enough not to go watch it. <laughs> so there's uh, three other trans- Transformers movies: the original, self-titled Transformers, Transformers. Uh, then there's Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen. Um, that wasn't the story was not resolved there, and it went on to Transformers: Dark of the Moon. Um, ha- have you seen any of the other ones? Only clips. I haven't watched it from beginning to I end. I tried to watch uh, Transformers this week just to brush up on okay. it. I got halfway through. I did though grow up in the period where, like in elementary school, Transformers hit hard. Uh, the toys, <laughs> the cartoon. Um, so I have a, a little bit of background that. I'm. I'm still not sure what Transformers are. I'm not even sure what's Transformers. I, I know there was a Simpsons spoof. I saw that, but okay, that's about really it. quick. Okay, you're eight, nine years old, okay. a boy. Okay, if you can imagine, really into cars and trucks and robots. Cars, trucks, and robots. Transformers okay. are cars, trucks, and robots. <laughs> awesome. Um, and there was a few things like toys around that period. So anyway, they were cars that transformed into robots. Like they broke apart and would reform into robots. You'd move parts kind of like a puzzle. Okay. For and, any um, particular reason? Hey, uh, it was cool. It was okay. really cool. And it was promoted by Hasbro. And they were on Saturday morning <laughs> cartoons and stuff. You know, they, they, first there were commercials and then it became its own cartoon. And you know, there's a Tom Hanks story, which is about this. Really? I'm dead serious. In what a Tom you, Hanks film. He was Remember a robot? Remember when he becomes like a little kid? Big. 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 Or he is a little kid who becomes big. He actually pitches the Transformers at the toy meeting, and people are like, whoa, oh, let's yeah. do that. So, see, Tom yeah. Hanks does have to do with the Transformers. So the other thing, there was a, com- competing, <laughs> there was a competing toy at the same time called GoBots. And then there's another thing called Micro Machines, which were the very tiny cars. Smaller than Hot Wheels. So you had all these car toys. But Transformers is what you'd call a game changer. (laughs) (laughs) In that they turned into robots. And then there's also, uh, what was that thing where all the robots got together and formed the big robot? They were like lions. I don't remember. But anyway, this is a thing in the 80s. And, uh, And now there's these movies. Biggest, highest grossing movie in the world. Over a billion dollars. Do you remember what was marketed to girls at that same time in the eighties? I was, uh, I was, I've been a man, boy, those two things my whole life, and did not, did not pay pay as close attention. Okay, I know Strawberry Shortcake, Pretty pretty Pony, and yeah, My Little Pony, My Little Pony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably it. Yeah, yeah. Thundercats, kind of. There was a female (gasps) Thundercats. Yeah, Thundercats go. Yeah. Hey oh. So uh all right, so we've got we're we're gonna watch the uh Transformers Age of Extinction okay, in H D. And when we watch it, what we're gonna be looking for is like what are those things? What are those sort of deep, deep things we're gonna dig deep into it that we can actually use as activists? 
Okay. I can say I've never seen anything from a Michael Bay movie that I could dig into for activism. And that's why this is the challenge. If it was something easy, if we were watching some progressive (laughs) film that we all felt good about, you know. Like even Hunger Games would be easier. It's got these liberation class war and all that sort of stuff. Too easy. Yeah. Too easy. We got it. We got to go deep into the dirt. Yeah. See what we find. Ready to go? All right. Messages to my creators. Leave planet Earth alone. Because I'm coming for you. Yep, that was two hours and 40 minutes. Whoa. Whoa. It could have been 17. Yeah. What day is it? Wow. <laughs> that was some movie. That was bad. Yeah, it was really yeah. that was really bad. I guess I'll tell you now. It uh, <laughs> it has an eighteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> it is not critically acclaimed, <laughs> but it is the highest grossing movie worldwide. Yeah. So okay. So the, here we go, and this is the design challenge, which yeah. is it's like like what you're saying before. It's super easy to do this with like culture we like. It's super easy to do it with culture. They're like, oh, yeah, that's about, you know, class struggle or that's about bigotry. It's really hard to figure out, like, what can we rescue? What can we salvage from, like, two hours and 40 minutes of, <laughs> of trucks turning into robots? <laughs> then dinosaurs. Turning into dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. And just endless explosions and horrible... Uh, dialogue and Marky Mark like full of rage the entire time. Yeah, we could trash it easy for sure. And that's been done. But our job and it's hard work <laughs> is to salvage something. Yeah, figuring this. out mm-hmm. what's good in there. So where do we start? First, just, just so much traumatic brain injury that, could, that was not recognized. Well, one thing I noticed right early in the movie is that all the robots have character, yeah. right? So, you know, there's the leader one and then there's the John Goodman war hero one. I think we're bringing back his big Lebowski sort of vet, thing, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And they, they each have a And then there's like character. Bumblebee who's like the young upstart. And yeah. 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 And the and they're multicultural. There's yeah. the Japanese samurai one That's and true. the the British Isles indistinguishable Brit- British Isles one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, they all have these different characters, right? And, yeah. and you so because you, you need characters to identify with a robot. Right. And, and the key thing is they're identifiable characters. It's like we've seen those characters since like World War II films. Right? Okay. Yeah. And so what I was thinking about activism is that, you know, in our in our quest to uh, get rid of hierarchy, you often risk squashing individual characters. Right. Mm-hmm. That like people can identify mm-hmm. with from the outside. I was also thinking that. You know, one of the things we need to do when we do our sort of activist pieces or activist projects is give people characters that they can actually understand and identify with immediately. 
you know, is that... Like a role? You know, well, no, no. It's just like I'm thinking of a performance or something like that, you know. People need to be able to, you know, figure out who you are. You want to surprise them, right? But you also don't want, you know... They're going to look at you and identify you as an activist. And then they're going to like, okay, they're, they're activists. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know what to do with them. I ignore them, okay? But if you can play out these characters that people sort of know already because they've seen a thousand and one movies with these characters in them and then switch them around so they're sort of the activist John Goodman, the <laughs> activist like British Isle kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Or the like activist that guy's Sam funny. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe we could do something with that. Well- I was still divorced from this movie, but uh, I guess I was thinking <laughs> through, you know, why do I go to the movies, especially blockbusters like this in the summer? And for me, it's not even the content that's as important as the air conditioning, as the <laughs> right, the yeah. popcorn, the people <laughs> in the theater that I get to laugh with yeah. around. I would not have watched this movie by myself in my living room and having the two of you to see it with I don't mattered. think I would have finished it. Right, yeah. Yeah. exactly. Um, so I was sitting there and I was thinking, okay, why do I even go to the movies? And it's still, it is one of those few places that we still have where we're allowed to be with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I was getting at. I just at like it. that this ma- movie made you think, why am I watching <laughs> movies at all? <laughs> but, <laughs> I watch movies but, at but all. Pat, work with that, which is like, so what... What what can we use from that? This idea of this, we want to be social. We want to go and laugh mm-hmm. with strangers, basically. Groan with strangers. You can imagine that even in the film, people are like, oh, God, that's so stupid. You know? <laughs> but it was a collective, oh, God, that's so stupid. Right. And I think it is. It's, you know, something that we do as, you know, activists, you know, constructing bad demonstrations or or good demonstrations right yeah. or but when we do it poorly or when we do the you know what seems like another useless march to wherever um what matters and what's important out of it is the connections that we make uh together so even if we're creating our own bad cinema uh together i think it's how we do it and in what community we have that makes it really exciting. And it doesn't matter um, as much the, you know, whatever that final product is, Mm -hmm. is if we're doing it together. And I like the people that I'm with and we're in the struggle together. And then we have this, you know, we have this bad production and then, Okay, well, you know, that's not going to make or break us. Right, at least we got to hang out together, even if it is a bad production. And certainly I've been to a lot of marches where like, March kind of sucked, but I haven't seen my friends in a long time. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Bush. Right. And, and, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but maybe that's something to like think about is like, you know, we always think in terms of content, particularly when we think about like artistic activism, um, which is like, okay, what is the content in the forum going to be like? And what you're talking about is like, sometimes it's just getting people together. And we have to think about the process mm-hmm. and the sort of the social process and how can we facilitate it and make it the best social process possible for people. Right. Yeah. We talk about this in the workshop sometimes, like saying hello to people and thanking them for coming. Mm-hmm. And it actually means a lot and does a lot, you know, because to reinforce the uh, the fact that you even showed up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, one of the things I was thinking about is, OK, the other thing I was thinking is like, why was this the biggest grossing film? Like, how is that possible? And there's some, like, individual markers. 
which I think explains mm-hmm. a little bit. One is half the scenes are shot in China, and there's Chinese product placement. Like right. they, they conceived of this film as an international film, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And they conceived of this wasn't just going to sell to an American market. It was going to sell to a Chinese market. And so there's like these landscapes which are immediately recognizable. Texas. Yes. The Great Wall of China. Um, and it was just like, okay, we know what those are. Everybody in the world has heard about Texas. Everybody in the world has heard about the Great Wall of China. And so it can sort of translate. But then it was like, the other thing that translates is like explosions. It's like, it's just like. Well, yeah, you, and like physical jokes. Yes. Right? Yeah, and like yeah. visual jokes. Yeah, yeah. and You, you don't need any subtle wordplay. God knows there was no subtle wordplay. <laughs> um, because really, the, there's this sort of universal, you know, if music is universal, love is universal, right. explosions are universal as well. I was actually thinking about that with the absence of New York in this movie. So New York is not attacked or a figure in it at all. And it is part of that, you know, it would become too overwhelming a place if we had situated, if they had situated New York in any of the robot drama that was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Because then it's exactly then it would be about New York. Yes. Um, or about Tokyo. And it was about Hong Kong. and It was about Texas. But it really wasn't. I mean, it yeah. shifted all over the place. You know, there was, was not one Texan accent yeah. in that film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so another thing so I was thinking about was how you, you don't have to see the other movies for <laughs> to get anything out of it. Like, you they'll you can be caught up really quick. Like there's the good robots, the bad robots, the humans, there's been this misunderstanding. This is what's at stake. Like all of it is explained fairly quickly. And for people to enter, you know, a movement or some kind of activist thing, you know, the, the kinds of things that we're encouraging people to produce, it's not always like an easy entry, right? Mm-hmm. To come in in the fourth stage or the fourth <laughs> iteration of something and to understand it or to be welcomed. Yeah. When we were just in Spain um, working with uh, access to medicine activists, the most amazing thing was is that they had an lingo that was completely their own and insular. And because they were all working on the same issue, they actually didn't even know that. And that we all do that. When we work on an issue really long, we say things like, well, you know, the GBT beta blocker, you know, such and such. <laughs> and we're like, what? What? <laughs> and we realized that, look, if we don't understand, the people we're going to talk to aren't going to understand. And so, like, what can we do that's sort of open? What can we mm-hmm. do that welcomes people in and creates it's sort of like the, the characters we were talking about before? What can we create in terms of sort of visual language, in terms of our messaging and so on, that where you can come in in episode four of this protest or episode four right. of this campaign and say, I get it. Yeah. Okay, I can follow this mm-hmm. long enough. Well, at the same time, giving little clues to those people who have been watching it uh, before. There are sort of like little in-jokes in this film. Yeah. What I was thinking about during this film, which pops up for me, and I, I'm not even going to say that they did it well, uh, the best, but it is the convoluted message around government mm-hmm. that especially action movies get and our convoluted message around government that as leftists and, you know, along the progressive spectrum of liberals to radicals, 
about whether or not we want to talk about good government or what government can do to us, to the oppressive government that, you know, is sending out drones and waterboarding, right? It's a, we have a convoluted message around government. And I see that so often, especially in the action films. And I'm always trying to figure out to what extent, you know, are they, you know, are they purposefully trying to be convoluted? And then what extent is, you know, can, are they able to seamlessly move us between, oh yeah, CIA good, um, you know, UN NSA bad, bad, right? Yeah. Or, you know, any kind of, um, uh, differentiations that they make between government agencies. Well, the way they showed like the business guy was sort of the real bad guy that was in bed in controlling the government, but it's around the government, you know. Yeah, I guess it got <laughs> twisted because then the government was controlling the business guy or they seem right. to be. Right. And I think, I think it's, Probably a reflection is that we're really ambivalent in this country about like the role of government mm-hmm. is that on the one hand, we think that the government, you know, it's a democratic government. It should be doing things for us. On the other hand, we know that it's bought off by rich people and so on. And so that that ambiguity that you're, you're talking about is like the filmmaker, I think, probably really figuring out that that's how most Americans feel about. Right. About so what, what do we do with that? I mean, the fact is, is that, you know, what do we do when we're situated in a, in a in in sort of a field in which people feel two ways about something or three ways about something? It's not a clear this is good and this is bad. I don't know. I think maybe you need to enter it in starting with that complicated place and figure out what sticks and then. And then talk them through it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you come with a clear, like, this is what you should think, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's as easy to engage. Yeah, because I think, <laughs> well, because I think that's maybe what this showed. Because in some ways, one way would be to say, no, we got to do the clear battle lines. These people are good, these people right. are bad. And we were talking a little bit about that, that sort of clarity helps. But I also think you, if you get too clear, you risk missing the ambiguity, which is part of everybody's sort of mental life when it comes to politics is that we both love the government and hate the government simultaneously. And as soon as people tell you, you know, government is good, you can think of 50 examples of where that's wrong. And as soon as someone says, get rid of government, drown it in a bathtub, right? That is also an extreme that you're just like, that's ridiculous. And, you know, get back on your road and your, you know. And so maybe maybe what, what, what we think is about exactly that is actually doing the sort of differentiation that people do all the time, which is to say, hey, why you should pay taxes is not because government's good. You should pay taxes for the things that government is good for, like public schools. And we shouldn't be paying taxes to support black ops. Um, <laughs> and what's interesting about this film is that you know black ops become this sort of shady world which is bought off by either aliens or people. I'm not quite sure who was buying off the, or who. <laughs> I don't know what who they were working for uh, at a certain time. They had made a deal with the bounty hunter alien ship for in trade for the seed robot <laughs> turns it all life into metal oh. bomb thing <laughs> if i remember right <laughs> but that, uh, yeah, yeah I think so. it was hard to follow <laughs> yeah i think so but I, but I do think that it gets at that when we go into the field 
people have complicated ideas about all sorts of things. And what we do, what we can do is pull on certain things and push back on others instead of doing the blanket. Say, right. Because most people do have a good experience with government when it comes to things like their public schools uh, mm -hmm. or their roads getting fixed. And they have a bad experience with the government when they feel that it's going to programs which don't benefit them. Right. Or they have an invisible experience with government when their water isn't contaminated or when, you know, the food that they're getting, you know, isn't giving them salmonella. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, one thing I noticed is that there and in the, the, the part of the first Transformers movie that I watched earlier is that <laughs> there's these self-referential jokes that call yes. back that are partly nostalgic. Right. Even some of the sound effects are from the car original cartoon. Mm -hmm. And uh, but not, not just that nostalgic reference thing, but but, you know, everyone saw there needs to be in the beginning. You have a comic relief character who's the sort of friend of Mark Wahlberg. Um, I forget. He's a comedian, but he dies after uh, 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. And then the bad guy businessman becomes the comic relief character because right. you, and then it, there's a the robots that are the comic because you always need to have one. Right. And no matter what sort of tense, you know, uh, thing is happening, the, uh, the daughter nearly being shot in the head by these black ops government agents, you know, there's that, comic guy giving a little relief to that and i don't know that progressive causes always have that comic relief mm. you know <laughs> or maybe are a little bit afraid of it because it might seem inappropriate in certain times but there's no spot in this movie where it's not okay to make a joke either on screen or in the audience yeah and i think and it doesn't take away well i was gonna say it doesn't take away from the seriousness of the film, so there's no <laughs> serious in the film. but i do think that the principle is it needn't take away from the seriousness of whatever else is going on um and so yeah i mean one of the things we can think about is like no matter how serious message there always needs to be that little thing which allows for a release or mm -hmm. relief. And it can work, you know, no it, matter how uncomfortable or difficult the topic is. Yeah. And it, I was also thinking through that in, in the sense that it's also always fun to see people having a good time. So when they're doing the self-referential jokes, you go, oh, okay, they had a, you know, they had a good time saying that line or, you know, they, yeah. that was some good banter that they had. Uh, even when it's, you know, an awful movie, which this was, those moments were actually, you know, you, you could appreciate how they appreciated having the joke. Yeah. Which, I mean, bringing it back to the activist thing is what, one of the things we always say is like, we are on the front line of every message we try to get across is that we are the first message. If you're having a good right. time, then people are going to be like, wow, it is. It, this is a good time to be with these folks. Mm -hmm. If you're, you know, uh, righteous and shrill and <laughs> miserable and filled with guilt, it's like, I don't want to join that group. I don't care about that. Issue. I don't want to be like those people. Um, and that sounds really like uh, banal. And sort of surface, but it's true. Is is that's how, you know, we don't just give a message; we are the message itself. Right. Well, and there's those downer characters in the movie, like the guy when the spaceship crashes into his car. He's like, "You better have insurance," you know, and like that's that's who everyone can look at and be like, "Oh, we hate that yeah. guy." <laughs> so, but the thing about activists being the message, I mean. That's a hard role to play, and it is sort of, you know, 
in uh, movies when you talk about breaking that fourth wall, because when the issues that we're dealing with are so serious, how do you portray a lightheartedness with right. it, right? It's just like, where's the joke in drones? You know? Right, like, right. Or police violence. Right. I mean, it's just not funny. Right. Uh, but I do think, I do think, well, the police, police violence is not funny, that maybe we don't always have to be funny. We can perform other things as well, which is we can perform this is serious. Um, we can perform that this is someone's son who's been killed or someone's daughter has been killed. There's all sorts of performances which are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't always have to be comic, but I think comedy, we can think about comedy creatively as well. Yeah, I disagree. I think you can be, I think any topic, it, you can make it a good joke. It's just a matter of good writing and good thinking, you know, so like, the joke around police brutality doesn't have to be about police hitting people or you know, hurting people or killing them, but there can be jokes. That's a big, there's a lot of topics around that. Right. And you know, there's the, the there's these sort of visual jokes in this movie and there's visual jokes that you can make. There's, you know, uh, you can have a, a cop that doesn't agree with this stuff and he can be funny and sympathetic, you know? So, so there are, there are always ways to bring in that kind of humor that, that it makes those difficult topics acceptable. It's just not always obvious. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's an art form. It's difficult. Yeah. So here's a big question. Why do we go to films like this? Um, and what I mean by that is I actually mostly go to films like this. Um, I actually don't go to deep, dramas which make me evaluate my life well you and, you get them in netflix and then they <laughs> sit around right, right exactly and and i don't watch those honestly when and particularly when i pay 14 dollars um i go see movies like this i'm glad i didn't pay 14 dollars to see this movie <laughs> but you know i see every big blockbuster that comes out um and certainly we're not alone if you look at the top five grossing films they're all these big blockbusters mm-hmm. with explosions and um, you know, violence and so on and so forth. And I guess the big question is, is why? And why don't we go see the hard-hitting dramas which make us think about the despair of our lives and, you know, or the, the little moments of joy? I think they're, I mean, they're fun, you know. They're, and, and part of it, maybe there's another thing we could come back to here, but it's like the spectacle of seeing... Things you would never see, you know, mm-hmm. the, there's, we, the, the thing I think we said the most while watching this was, whoa, you know, <laughs> and then you, there's people in the movie that are also saying, whoa, you know, cause they, they do it in the first shot. There's like part of a spaceship and then the camera pulls back. It's like star Wars, you know, it's like, right. and then the spaceship gets bigger and then there's a bigger spaceship, you know, and you're like, wow. And there's that novelty of seeing something you've never seen before, either this car that can turn into a robot or a dinosaur um, or buildings being smashed. You know, like I remember when they they blew up these projects, they were destroying the building, you know, in San Francisco. And it's like everyone wanted to go and sit around and see that happen because (laughs) when are you going to see that happen besides in in the context of an earthquake? So I'm a little different in that I will see mostly anything that's in the cinema. So um, I, I love going to the movies. So I love the experience of it. Um, and seeing a Selma, I think, is one of the best things that I've done mm-hmm. this year. Um, 
and is a movie that I'm so happy exists and um, can watch and, you know, have that uh, uh, hard experience. But it's it was joyful and it was also a, you know, such a well done perfectly done movie um, that it was entertaining um, at the same time. Uh, but I think these big blockbusters I love going to also because it's, yeah, it is that entertainment. It is that fun aspect. It is where people are. Um, and there's something about being part of the popular that's exciting. Mm-hmm. And I like you know, having uh, reference points that a lot of people can share with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's interesting because it's like it is where people are, but it's also, as Steve was saying, it's where we're not. And that's kind of this interesting thing, which is it's like, well, how do we actually create spectacles which don't appear like everything else in people's lives, but have enough reference points so people can actually identify them. And that's the real art, okay? Because the thing is, is if you can immediately identify something, like that's a demonstration, then it's boring, right? It's just, it's just boring. I mean, it may be exciting to us as activists, but for the most people outside of that, it's boring right. or it's a pain. I already know what to do with it. I figured it out. I followed it in my brain. I'm done, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we need to do is create things which are like exploding cars or cars that turn into dinosaurs. Or, or right. bring drones. wonder and awe. Right? Exactly. Wonder and awe. Mm-hmm. And like, whoa, I can't believe they did that. <laughs> and I think it's easier than we think. You know, like there was a scene that's on that road that's flat, you know, yeah. and where the girl gets caught up in the net and pulled into the spaceship. Um, but one of the things I noticed, like, you know, as an artist, like thinking about scale, right? So you've got flat road, flat land, and then the, the tallest thing is the telephone pole. And then, you know, and I know how tall a telephone pole is. I know how big this car is. And then there's these giant robots. And when those are introduced into the scene, anything that, that beats that scale is like totally impressive. Right. Yeah. And so when we make things, I'm thinking of this action we did in Spain recently, where you've got a sign that stands uh, up, you know, about eight feet. People are like, you know, because right. it's just big. You know? <laughs> it's, well, yeah. I was going to say also, I don't want us to uh, also take away what are some of the strengths of uh, progressive culture and movement. And the demonstration is definitely one of them. And it is one of those cultural uh, touchstones that everyone knows of. There's no... TV show or movie that has ever shown a college without a demonstration. Mm-hmm. They don't show the ROTC mm-hmm. at every college <laughs> or TV, right? Even though yeah, ROTCs yeah, yeah. are on every college mm-hmm. campus, but it is a cultural touchstone uh, that exists because, and they're usually progressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're always progressive um, demonstrations. They're not right-wing demonstrations. So yeah. I think we do own that in in the populace. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that, it, yeah, I, I just wouldn't want us to lose that or think that that's not recognized. Well, but maybe that's the familiarity that we have to pair with the extreme. That is, is that the art is actually creating something which is both recognizable and beloved, okay? Everybody wants to be part of the protest that we're in Selma 
you know, and that they look back and say, I wish I had been there or I would have been there. So there's that. And then there's also the other side, which is, but it'd be cooler if there's an exploding car someplace there. <laughs> and so what we've got to figure out is how to make it both recognizable and surprising at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the art of this whole process. Another thing about this movie is that it's for children, right? <laughs> it's basically... Uh, that's hard to believe, but made yes. for... People that are eight to, I mean, probably boys, but eight to 24, 18, 24. <laughs> yeah, at the most. Trucks. <laughs> yeah. Dinosaurs. Girls. <laughs> that need rescuing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's meant for a younger age group. And, yeah. and it's still pretty wide range. You know, eight to 24, it's, there, there's a varying levels of maturity. Insert joke here. Uh, but, um, <laughs> You know, that that they're thinking about how to make a movie that, you know, well, let's just say this might not be the best example of a family movie. Right. But uh, but or a date movie or a date movie. But yeah, like what can we do that is uh, is great for children and adults and is meaningful or that could be a fun thing to do on a date, you know, wow. like go get yeah. a meal and then do this thing that actually is meaningful. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. Is it sort of when I think about a lot of the movies I go to now, I go with my kids, right? And people how old, go, are, how old are your kids? Oh, my kids are uh, nine and 11, right? Okay. So uh, they're Transformers age. Oh, they're totally Transformers. <laughs> have they seen this? They have not seen this, but unfortunately, I'll probably have what to do you show think it would? Them. Do you think they would make it through the whole thing or would they fall asleep? They'd fall asleep. Okay. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, but I don't think they would fall asleep in the movie theater, partially because the people around them right. partially because this was made for 3D. Yeah. Um, and, it was, and it was completely spectacular. But I do think that the idea of acknowledging that when people are out, I think often protests are built around the single individual of the approximate age of 21. Or, right. Right? And sometimes, and I think we do it sometimes quite well, we build in something for kids to do or people with kids or something older folks can do or something that immigrants who may not have papers can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes we just do it for the 21-year-old and think that's universal. Right. Um, and it's not universal. And what these folks understand is kids like dinosaurs and trucks. <laughs> well, boys do. Yeah. And so we're going to put dinosaurs and trucks in there. And, like, what would it mean to start thinking about the actions that we do and thinking about little bits and pieces of it which appeal to older folks, which would appeal to younger people, appeal to people on a date? That's, right. That would be a cool idea. Take your date to this demonstration. Exactly. <gasps> Valentine's Day. It's coming up. <laughs> so uh, do, is there anything else about the movie that you guys want to make sure we cover? Mm-hmm. Because I have a question. Sure. Lay it on. Yeah. All right. This is a surprise. Um, oh is there any bit of uh, thing that you've seen in the last month or so that you're excited about in, you know, that's in the realm of popular culture? Or on the edges? You talking about Selma? Which I've seen, yes. Uh, well, I'll go to Spectrum. <laughs> I would say, in terms of um, black cinema and black uh, actors on television, uh, 
I've been fascinated with everything that's uh, exploding right now from, uh, you know, everything Sandra Rhimes is doing uh, from scandal to how to get away with murder to blackish to empire, which is um, the number one show on Fox right now. It's just like a soap opera. It is. It's a mega opera. It's just drama uh, to the extreme. High strength detergent uh, opera. High production values, just great acting, great chemistry. Um, from that to, you know, uh, Doc McStuffins, you know, which is a children's program with a young black girl who's a doctor and fixes up her um, uh stuffed animals it's um <laughs> you right in um in scripted television there is some exciting things that are happening uh whereas what we're seeing in you know so-called reality television has gotten you know our culture to some of the basis uh part and especially in terms of race and gender mm-hmm. good point you got anything um i think I'm going to go back to the Hunger Games and not just talk about the Hunger Games, the latest one, which has come out in the, in the past month or so. Um, but the whole string of popular culture, which is incredibly progressive, um, which leaves me with a, with a question, really, which is particularly popular culture for kids. If you think about, you know, things like uh, uh, Maleficent, or you think about, you know, Hunger Games, or mm-hmm. Wally, or all of these uh, these kids really dark, targeted towards this age we were talking about. Their values are incredibly progressive um, mm-hmm. and quite revolutionary in a lot of ways. And so it leads me to the question, which is: Is this next generation of young kids who've been indoctrinated by the by <laughs> Hollywood going to be the next generation of revolutionaries? Or actually, does it not matter at all? Or is that the outlet for the, it? You exactly. Know? Right. Like, exactly. Is it the catharsis? Yeah. But if those are the fairy tale stories, I mean, that's how you learn morals, right? As a yeah. kid, right? right? It stops fables and stuff like that. Yeah. And maybe there's something yeah. there. But, but it's this rewriting of the fairy tale yeah. that's it's so what's really that's what Maleficent was. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. feminist retelling yeah. of of a story, and yeah. it's um, a couple of um, shows, including. Uh, once Upon a Time on ABC has been playing with this true love uh, construct. Mm-hmm. So your true love is no longer um, a romantic partner. Uh, Frozen did it also famously, but your true love can be your sister, can be your mom, can be, you know, a stranger um, that doesn't have a sexual under- undertone to it. It's just love. And that's an incredible um uh, you know, new idea to throw into the mix for folks. And, and almost regardless of the impact, what these directors and producers are realizing is that there's a desire for this. There's right. a desire for a retelling of fairy tales, and so women have a different role. There's a desire for people to figure out a society of class privilege and, dist- and, and display their rage. The impact will, you know, time will tell. But it is interesting that the desire is there. Mm -hmm. And as activists, that's exactly the type of desire we can tap into. So I want to know if you guys have seen this show called Black Jesus. No. No, I've not heard of it. So I am 
like, you know, I, I watch movies on the plane and that's how I get caught up with all the Marvel stuff and everything like that. But this is on Adult Swim and Adult Swim is like Cartoon Network After Hours, right. you know. And they show some really weird stuff, partly because they make things that are kind of inexpensive. They're 15-minute shows. And there's this one they have now called Black Jesus, where Jesus comes back as a guy that lives in Compton. <laughs> and he has some friends, and he can perform miracles. Okay. Um, like, he could, he breaks through these this cyclone fence so they can get access. He's trying to build a community garden in Compton. <laughs> Just saying out loud, it sounds crazy. It is crazy. I mean, that's kind of like what I, what I find <laughs> exciting about it is that I've only seen one or two of them. I haven't had the chance to watch all of them. I don't totally understand what's happening. I think like I can follow the story, you know, but I don't understand like what, why why would you make this? Except that it's like you know it's to confuse you, and like I am confused so far, and I like that uh, being confused, and I look forward to watching more and either yeah, making sense of it yeah. or be continuing to be confused. Well, I actually oh, one, one final thing about confusion. I was confused through a lot of this film. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't really understand what was going on, and I think that, that it is it, incredibly it, difficult to follow. There's a lot happening. Okay, it's not. Was, it wasn't just you. I know. I know. But I also think that it's okay. Yeah. Like there's a little bit of confusion, which is okay. And there's a little bit of sort of, with Black Jesus, creative confusion. There yeah. could be like obfuscatory confusion. Yeah. Where I don't get what's going on. But there's also little gaps where we can allow people to fill stuff in. And that's kind of the, the, the art of it all. Or just like yeah. a crazy what if story. Like, yeah. why not? You know? So um, I want to end with a quote from Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> um, the actor. The actor, the lead actor, perhaps second to all the robots. Um, Mark Wahlberg from Transformers, Age of Extinction. And this is what he said. I look at all the junk and I see the treasure. And that's what we did tonight. Give yourselves a round of applause.
birds up in the sky.